this week with big picture. So what we typically do in parenting classes is we start big picture and then we work down to the nitty-gritty. So our last week will be very, very practical, very hands-on. I'm going to say this now, but we'll say it again probably two or three times. So we want to remember that truth is our foundation. So the truth of God's word is our foundation for all parenting and wisdom is the practical outworking of that truth. So when we, for instance, read the book of Proverbs, we see kingdom truth worked out in practicality. But there are strategies, tips, and tools that are going to be how we really dig in and make that wisdom applicable to our lives in our parenting. So the truth of God's word and the wisdom of God's word, how we apply that truth to our lives are all non-negotiable, right? But the strategies and tools really vary from family to family, depending on what works best with your family, your dynamic, what works best with your children. So when you see a strategy tip or tool that you see another family utilizing and it's really working for them, I, we would encourage you grab hold of it, emulate it, duplicate it in your family as much as is possible, as long as it's based on that foundation of God's word and the practical outworking of wisdom. We'll kind of bring that back into play as we start talking about specific areas of discipline, how to handle different areas of conflict, all those things. We have to start conceptually, though, and a lot of times as parents, it's like, just give me some tools. Mm -hmm. And that's important, but these tools are hinging on big picture conceptual things that, yeah. that everybody needs to fully understand otherwise yeah. it just becomes all about methods mm -hmm. and it can't be that way yeah. with parenting yeah, yeah. so <clears throat> what we want to first begin to realize and this is part of where the unlearning starts to come in is we have to realize that as parents whether we like it or not unfortunately this is just how we are as human beings most of our parenting, if we don't apply God's truth and God's word, most of our parenting is done out of an avoidance mentality. So what is it that we're trying to avoid? There are several things, and most of this is done even subconsciously. We don't even realize that most of our parenting is done out of avoidance. So first of all, we are trying to avoid what our parents did. Okay, and a lot of that can be subconscious, but a lot of it can be specific things that we think to ourselves. I'm never going to do that. Never going to do that. I'm definitely not doing that. I'm doing that completely different. And it's usually positive stuff. <coughs> you know, you're usually thinking, my parents blew it in this way. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better than my parents, right? So what that does is it causes us to parent out of that avoidance mentality. We also tend to want to avoid what we see other family members doing, other friends, or maybe even the person sitting at the park next to us. Okay. We learn from these things. We watch, we observe, and we learn, and we think to ourselves, well, I'm not, I'm not going to handle that that way. I'm going to handle it differently. We also parent to avoid, most of the time, anything that feels too hard. Okay, and this is, this is the tricky one, and we're going to open this up in the next few weeks because this is a sneaky one. 
We oftentimes think as parents, well, I'm not doing that. I'm going towards the hard. Look at me. I'm exhausted at the end of the day. I've been dealing with hard all day long. And what we don't realize is that oftentimes there are those little roots of things that need to be dealt with in our child's heart that we're just skirting around instead of going head on to the root of our kid's heart because it feels too hard, either emotionally Physically, it feels too hard because we're going to have a tantrum. Yeah, I don't have the time. I don't have the bandwidth to deal with it. On that note, and hand in hand, we often parent out of an avoidance of conflict. So we'll see this more. So with the littles, like, you know, toddler to maybe four or five, we feel like I avoid anything that feels hard because we're on the go all the time. We're, we're just pouring in, pouring in, we're teaching, training, and it's nonstop, right? As we get to the middles and transition, transition age into teens, we tend to avoid anything that brings <clears throat> conflict. So we don't want to have to deal with a hard conversation. We don't want to have to deal with head-to-head training. We don't want to have to deal with maybe a potential power struggle. We don't want to have to deal with all these things where we're going to have to sit down and talk things through with our kids. So oftentimes we will skirt around that or maybe just touch on it, but we don't, again, get to the root of it because we know it's going to bring conflict. And it's not because we don't think that it's important. It's because of the tyranny of the urgent. Yeah. Right? So we just, we don't have the ability. We don't have the time. Let's just deal with this this way and get on. It's like putting a Band-Aid on something, right? Hoping that the Band-Aid will cause the healing, and then all of a sudden you notice the Band-Aid fell off and it's still pussing. (laughs) It's like, oh, wait, it's actually gotten more infected than it was before. Um, So I think what we want to point out as we kind of begin, and we're going to begin to pull up and see the big picture, is that all of this avoidance that we use in our parenting without even realizing it is actually rooted in fear. We're afraid that we'll make the same mistakes our parents made. We are afraid of messing up our kids. That's a big fear that we have as parents. I'm going to screw up my kids. They're going to be so messed up. I'm going to do everything I can to avoid screwing up my kids, which, I mean, honestly, part of that is a valuable motivation. We want our children to be healthy and wise and all of those things, mentally, emotionally. But if, if fear of messing them up is our motivation, then we have to pull back and begin to look at what's really going on in us as parents. We're afraid of other people's opinions. That's a really big motivator in parenting. How are other people going to look at my kid? How are other people going to look at me as the parent of that kid? That causes a lot of parenting decisions that we make that are not always the wisest or the best. So this fear will manifest itself in the way that we parent our child in four areas of their lives, their activities that we involve them in, their intellect, how we pursue training them intellectually, their emotions, how we deal with and train up how how they handle their emotions, and our authority, how we handle authority in the home. So I'm going to say that one more time. That fear will manifest itself in how we interact with our kid in four areas of their lives. Their activities they're involved in, their intellect and how we develop it, their emotions and how we handle them and how they handle them, and how authority is handled in the home. Hmm. We're going to open up those four areas more as we get down the pike a little bit. But right now what we want you to begin to see is 
okay, there are probably some roots in my heart as a parent, because that's what we're going to deal with first is our hearts first. There are probably some roots in my heart as a parent of some of these things going on that maybe I never even realized were there. And they're having a end result impact on my kid in how I choose to parent them. So we're going to stop now and we're going to discuss what do you most avoid in your parenting? So we'll give you guys like two or three minutes to discuss what you most avoid. (laughs) I think it's good though for us to share with each other because this is just the fact of how we are as parents. We just avoid, right? It's just our human nature to avoid. And so what we want to do is we want to look honestly at the areas that we tend to do avoidance parenting and begin to ask the Lord to make a shift in our hearts in those areas. Because whatever the motivation is, whether it's because we're exhausted, which is a real fact in parenting emotionally or physically, whether it's our own comfort, whether it's, you know, you could make a list. As parents, we have to be willing to see things the way that the Lord sees them. So when we, when we're looking and evaluating at avoidance parenting, another thing we have to look at and evaluate is the two most common types of parenting. Parents fall typically into one or the other of these two categories. And those categories are authoritarian parenting or permissive parenting. Typically an authoritarian parent, parents out of a desire to control their child. Control is the biggest factor with authoritarian parenting. And the reason they want to control their child is to avoid. (laughs) So it takes us right back to avoidance, as we'll see also with permissive parenting. So what it is that the authoritarian parent is trying to avoid is having a poor image as a parent or poor reputation as a parent in whatever community they're in. They want their kid to look a certain way, act a certain way, be a certain way, so they lay down the law to make sure that that type of reputation is established for them as a parent and for their kid as a kid. It's behavior-oriented. It is behavior-oriented, right. Another issue with authoritarian parent is avoiding their own discomfort their own irritation, their own frustration. So they will lay down the law. Once again, they'll make things very strict, very black and white in order to maintain their own level of comfort. So once again, we have to look at the fact as we're looking at this big picture of our own hearts as parents is that we have to deal with our own sin nature as parents. Essentially, we are selfish creatures, even when it comes to parenting. As much as we love that little bundle of joy, they push our buttons and they push our limits because what happens is all of a sudden we begin to see the selfishness rise up in us. And so these types of parenting, these behaviors, these avoidance mentalities all come as a result of our selfishness. So... When we see these authoritarian parents, one of the things they're wanting to avoid is discomfort. So they lay down the law and make sure it's very strict and very easy for their kid to understand you do this or else because they don't want to have to be uncomfortable. One of the problems with authoritarian parenting is that as a human being, you are subject to emotions to stress, to environmental factors, etc., 
just like everybody else is. And so your parenting style will shift according to the mood that you're in. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I authoritarian that, uh-huh. Uh-huh. one mm-hmm. of the things that seems to be common with authoritarian mm-hmm. parenting is the kid develops a lifestyle of what kind of mood is he or she in today? How much can I get away with? Yeah. What this does in a child is it raises a child who has a fear of failure. And they obey out of a fear of failure rather than a love of virtue. This was huge for me. When I learned this, I had to go back and revamp my own thinking about how I responded to the Lord, how I responded to my own parents, even as an adult, my own mentality, how I saw things. Because I recognized that as a child, I had been raised to avoid failing my parents. And so I had this fear of failure that motivated me rather than a love of virtue. And so this authoritarian style of parenting, that's what this leaves in our kid's heart, is I don't want to get consequences. I don't want to disappoint my parents. I don't want to mess up and have to have pain of any kind. So I will do whatever it takes. And again, this depends on the kid, right? Every kid's different. So you're going to see this played out differently in different kids. But in general, with authoritarian style parenting, this will be the end result, whether it's just in the heart or you see it in the actions. I will do this so that I don't have to have the pain rather than doing right out of a love of virtue, which is our goal. We want our kids to do right out of a love of virtue. So, permissive parenting. I think everybody understands permissive parenting, and it's actually very popular. Historically, these things trend, you know, in cycles, and we're seeing huge popularity with permissive style parenting. Permissive parenting is where you see a parent would rather behave like a friend than a parent. And that's a temptation for every parent because that's your buddy and you want to have that kind of a relationship. So it's easy to understand how that develops. But the problem is that permissive parenting develops a child-centered, mm-hmm. so the, the child develops in a me-centered universe mm-hmm. where all they know is they have choice about everything, mm-hmm. every decision is up to them, mm-hmm. the world revolves around them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it begets selfish kids, mm-hmm. self-centered kids, self-focused kids. Yeah, yeah. With permissive parenting, what you see, what you tend to see is their preferences and their desires are what rule the family. They rule the atmosphere of the family. They rule the interactions in the family. They rule even the decisions of the family. Whatever, you know, little Bobby wants or little Susie wants is how mom and dad are going to move to avoid conflict (laughs) and the child begins to literally believe that everything centers around them now the problem with permissive parenting is that you get to have instead of having a kid who hides their wrongdoing so that they don't get consequences like with an authoritarian style parent you have a child that 
kind of becomes a little tyrant. And so by the time they're 14, 15 years old, the world revolves around them. And anything that they don't get their way in, you're going to have pushback and it's going to be on a very different level. So at two, you're going to have a tantrum. At 14, you're going to have all kinds of stuff going on. <laughs> we can, we, we've seen it all, right? So this permissive style parenting allows the child to think, I call the shots. This is a disassembling of our God-given leadership in the home and in our child's heart in order to make our child feel good. I'm going to say that one more time. It is a disassembling of our God-given role as leader in the home in order to make our child feel good. It's avoiding their bad feelings and pursuing their good feelings. Now, that doesn't mean we don't value our child's emotions. We obviously value our child's emotion. We want them to know how to deal with their emotions rightly and in a healthy manner. We want to interact about emotions in a healthy way. But with permissive parenting, what we're doing is is avoiding their bad feelings and pursuing their good feelings. And we can see this played out in our society all around us. You know, do what's right for you. You do you. Follow your heart. All of those little catchphrases that we hear all the time in our society are born out of this permissive style parenting of whatever feels good, let's do it. That's the core of permissive parenting. Again, avoidance. Avoidance of the hard so that we have a child that feels good about themselves, feels good about their world, and doesn't learn how to defer to others. So we're going to stop again. And we're going to discuss if you had to be categorized or pegged as one type of parent or the other, which all of us have a blend to some degree, right? We're not wholly in one camp or the other. But if you had to fall in one camp or the other, which camp would you be in? And spouses, you guys get to weigh in on the other person. When our girls, (laughs) when our girls got to babysitting age where they were actually going outside of the house to make money and doing babysitting, they would come home from various babysitting jobs and say, yeah, they're an authoritarian parent. Or, that's permissive parenting dad to the max. (laughs) (laughs) The kids are out of control. (laughs) Do you think that if one parent is one way, like if... if this is what I thought. I'll just answer is he touching your leg because he doesn't want you to answer? <laughs> so, this is exactly what I thought. The Lord knew in bringing us together that we'd be the perfect combination. <laughs> I bring my authoritarian control freak style. She brings, she brings her permissive, forgiving, and loving and gracious. Greasy Grace. Greasy Grace. <laughs> And what that results in is a beautiful blend, and that's a lie. It actually right. makes it worse. It, it makes does. it worse. Right? It raises a freakazoid. <laughs> a, a nightmarish child. <laughs> Somebody said bipolar. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's terrible. Not to mention the marital conflict that goes on because of it. (laughs) This is a control moment. (laughs) Can't you see that? This is a grace moment. (laughs) Okay, so our goal 
is to not walk in either extreme, right? Our goal is to parent, as Chris said, not blending to extremes, but walking in the heart of the Father. So the Lord is the perfect disciplinarian. Just like we talked about on Sunday, I, I referenced Hebrews and how he disciplines us as sons, right? He's the perfect disciplinarian, but his grace is boundless. And so he carries both of these things so perfectly. And our goal is to understand his heart for our kids so deeply that we understand how to walk in both of them when they're needed. We have to realize that both of these extremes are birthed out of avoidance mentality parenting. And we want to come into a different place, a different mindset, which is intentionality. We want to parent intentionally from a big picture perspective first, which is our family vision, where we're headed, big picture, and then bring that down to the minutia of the everyday life. Okay, I want to I want to throw out a few big picture ideas. You basically have 18 years to deposit into your children's hearts everything that needs to be there on a foundational level. I'm not talking about all the the details or the nuances. The Lord will take care of that and life will (laughs) take care of that as well. But on the foundational level, everything that your child needs to become a fully functioning, responsible, God-fearing adult who knows how to interface well in their world. So because of that, because we have 18 years, and when you're holding that new little baby in your arms, it feels like it's forever. But the reality is for those of you who have a 13-year-old and 11-year-old, you know you know that it just whizzes by, right? So what we want to do is we want to parent with that in mind, not in a, oh my gosh, I've only got 18 years, but I have 18 years in which to put into my child's heart all of the foundational pieces that need to be there. So because of that, we want to think about the parenting funnel. Again, we'll talk more about this as the weeks go on, but the parenting funnel is just that idea of just think of a regular funnel, okay? We start off with our child in their newborn phase in the smallest part of the funnel, the most narrow part of the funnel. This is the part of the funnel in which all of the control for that child's life is in our hands. When they eat, when they get their diaper changed, when they're sleeping, all of those things are in our hands. Like it or not, they are, right? So we have the responsibility to not only provide all of those things for our child, but also to be their source of information about life in every regard. It's total control. It's a very constricted space, right? The tiniest space of the funnel. Right. As they grow, that funnel begins to open up as it should. However, the qualifier is this, and this is what we have to remember as parents, because again, this is where the authoritarian and the permissive style are going to come into play. You're going to see both of them vying for control within the parenting funnel, okay? So what our qualifier is, is self-control, or what we prefer to call self-government. So in that narrowest part of the funnel, you are providing all the government for your child, right? Right? 
but your goal is to have them fully self-governed. When you release them into adulthood, they are fully self-governed. So what we are looking for as they grow are opportunities to release government into their hands. That is predicated on self-control. Now, I don't want to highlight that above all the other fruits of the Spirit as the most important, but it is the most important in regards to this parenting funnel and our big picture of parenting. So when we have a two-year-old, again, going back to permissive parenting, right? What the permissive parent will want to do is, okay, this kid can walk now. Okay, they can put on their own shoes. They can do this and that for themselves Thank God I have a little bit less responsibility. I can put more into their hands so I have a little less work to do. Not realizing that what they could be doing as a parent is shooting themselves in the foot because they are releasing all this control into their child's life without the child having the self-control, the self-government to manage it rightly. And so you end up with a child who has too much freedom and that has its own set of consequences, which we'll talk about in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. On the converse side, within that parenting funnel, if you've got that authoritarian style parent, they don't want to release any control into the child's life. They want to continue to be the control for the child, even at age-appropriate places. So they won't give them the opportunity maybe to try and to fail or to show that they have the ability to grow in self-government because they don't want any opportunity for things to go badly. So we have to be aware of both of these tendencies within the parenting funnel, but most importantly, we have to remember that that parenting funnel opens up as we see corresponding self-government. Now, why is that important? It's important because of trust. The parenting relationship is built on mutual trust. Now, as a child gets older, we see that our relationship begins to shift from I am your parent only to I am moving into a friendship relationship with you. But that cannot happen when the child is three. You cannot be the child's best friend when they're three. That is giving them too much freedom at that place where they don't have the self-government and the self-control to handle that well. As you're in that mindset of, I have 18 years, I need to be very intentional in what I'm releasing into my child's hands, making sure that they have the corresponding self-government, that trust can be built in a healthy way. As she's mentioned a few times, this 18-year-old thing, and this is a societal issue, right? So our culture, our society has predetermined that number for us. The truth is, the reality is, if your parenting is identified as intentional, a fruit of that will be that after 18 and right up through the rest of their lives, you're going to see them turning to you mm-hmm. of their own volition. They're mm-hmm. going to call you up. They're going to text you and say, mm-hmm. what should I do? Mm-hmm. Here's what's happening. What should mm-hmm. I do? Mm-hmm. And as a parent, that's what you want. Mm-hmm. You want them yeah. to voluntarily be reaching out to mm-hmm. you. You want and, them to be best friends. You know, you want to yeah. be one of those best friend relationships in their life. Yeah, that's the time for the friendship. The other thing is, is that it doesn't just go from parent with all the control to friend, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot in there. And we'll talk And about so that. We'll, we'll open that up because mm-hmm. there's several stages. You mm-hmm. know, you, you move from parent to 
a coach mm-hmm. where there's there's much less control and you're now acting as a coach mm-hmm. and giving them examples of the play, how this should play. And so and then then, watching them run the play, watching them run the play. Mm-hmm. So, and there's all these different stages that'll happen. But the point is that if you release them too soon, that blows up in your face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that has less to do with a permissive parent style and more to do with my child is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually where it comes from. Yeah, but you don't understand. My kid, I set my two-and-a-half-year-old down and watched all of Star Wars and was never afraid. <laughs> my child is special. Yeah, but you don't understand. My, my kid can recite all the presidents of the United States, incredible memory, so I can trust him with this and this. So every parent believes that their child is the exception. Is the exception. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter the intellect. It doesn't matter the skills. It doesn't matter the abilities that that child seems to display. The fact is self-governance is either there or it's not. And self-governance is a maturity issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not about skill. Mm -hmm. Is your child impressive? Yes. Your child is very impressive. Your child is very exceptional. Your child is still a child and acts like a child and behaves like a child and is immature and, and can't govern themselves. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're somewhere in, in that funnel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, big picture. Keep in mind, every one of your kids is somewhere in that funnel. And as parents, it's our job to be able, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to recognize where they're at in regards to that self-governance process and team up with them to move them actively and intentionally to the next level. In agreement. Yeah. Yeah, together as a team. Why do we do that? Why, why are we looking at intentional parenting regarding self-governance and getting them in that training process where we are moving them actively? It's because we want our kids, and again, this is big picture, we want our kids to display the glory of God. Okay? We don't parent for our own comfort so that our kids add to our reputation. We don't parent so that our kids can show how amazing, as Chris said, how amazing and incredible they are. They went to the best school. They had the best education. They had the most activities. They had the most opportunities. That's not why we parent. We parent to raise kids so that our kids will display the glory of God in their lives. That is our sole goal. Yes, we want to get them to be functioning adults in society, but overarching all of that is, is my child displaying the glory of God in their lives? And so because of that, we have to focus on heart training as the way we move them through the funnel rather than curbing behavior. If our goal is curbing behavior, we will get to the point where we release them into young adulthood and they will fall on their face because they don't have anybody telling them what to do and what not to do. We have to have a child who is motivated again by a love of virtue, understanding how to work that virtue out in their lives in real time so that they bring glory to God. So that when we release them into the world, their motivation is, I want my life to display the glory of God. And these are practical ways that I work that out in my life. 
That is our goal. So everything that we do, whether it's training them how to set the table or how to fold laundry, whether it's teaching them how to interact with others, whether it's helping them make wise choices with their friends, whether it's how they interact with us as parents, it doesn't matter what it is that we're teaching or training them. We are always instilling in them this understanding that their life was created to bring glory to the Father. And that has to be our primary goal. This uh, intentionality thing that we keep mentioning, the reason this is so critical is because when it comes to parenting, you will either pay now or pay later. You can't get away from the payment. And I mentioned earlier the tyranny of the urgent and what that does when the, when our kids are young is it causes us to go into the installment plan where we think, I'll, I'll get to this later. Mm-hmm. I know that this is important. I just don't have time right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And here's the problem. Because it's a pay me now or pay me later issue, pay me later is ugly and expensive, and expensive mm-hmm. compared to pay now. Mm-hmm. The reason is, is because the longer we wait, the more we're dealing with a child who has learned their rights and the power of their own will. Mm -hmm. And they're beginning to suspect that you are an idiot. Here's what often happens. The permissive parent puts off this intentionality, puts it off, puts it off, puts it off, and gets to a place where, let's say, in adolescence, the kid starts to act out. And now we have a problem. Because before, when they're little, it's kind of funny and cute when they misbehave. Now, as an adolescent, it's dangerous, it's hurtful, etc. And so all of a sudden, we're kind of jarred out of this thought process of it's cute, it's fun, into this can't be happening. And suddenly we clamp down on an adolescent who by that time is starting to believe that you are an idiot. And all that that does is exacerbate the problem and usually cause rebellion. Mm -hmm. So the fruit of clamping down later, the fruit of quote unquote intentionality later is usually rebellion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's expensive. Mm You have to pay at one time or another. I'm not saying it's impossible later. Mm -hmm. It is Mm -hmm. harder. Mm -hmm. So as hard as you think it is right now Mm -hmm. to stop what you're doing and be intentional Mm -hmm. and train and train their heart Mm -hmm. and pour into them as hard as that seems right now, it's harder if you wait. Mm -hmm. Intentionality means building margin into your life so that you're able to stop. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to throw a practical practical thing in there in regards to what Chris just shared, um, because it's, it's something that we deal with in our culture. It's epidemic, and that is the tyranny of the urgent, the busy. So when we have a lifestyle where we are constantly trying to keep our heads above water, what happens is priorities go out the window in order to survive. And what I mean by priorities is, what does it look like to teach your child how to honor? I'm not talking about obedience, right? Okay, obedience is the day-to-day, you need to do what I say, because that's how we we survive in this household. I'm talking about honor. 
What does it look like to honor your sibling? What does it look like to honor your parents? What does it look like to honor others? What about taking the time to teach your child patience? No, you don't need to scream right now. No, you don't need to throw a fit, whether it's a teenage fit or a two-year-old fit. No, you need to have patience. We need to let the Lord do his good work in your life. That takes time. How about serving others? Serving others. How about depositing all of these values? These things are on top of basic obedience. Yeah. So we have those, you know, those basic functioning things that most parents who are decent parents try to put into their family, right? That's just basic survival stuff. But when we talk about a child who brings glory to the Father, we're talking about the beauty of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. What does the beauty of the kingdom of God look like? It means a child who lives out these virtues because it's what's best and beautiful in their life. Mm -hmm. And it impacts everyone around them. So that takes time. It takes this intentionality. And we as parents, again, it's pay me now, pay me later. So we have to be willing to pay to our own discomfort. Again, going back to that avoidance mentality, I avoid this because it's hard, because it's uncomfortable for me. It means I have to give stuff up, whether it's my own hobbies, whether it's my own fun, whether it's finances, whether it's, I mean, you you can, the list is lengthy of the things we have to give up oftentimes. And yet the fruit is huge, absolutely huge. It's not enough to teach our children to act morally. They have to think morally. And we'll talk about that more in the weeks to come. Lastly, and then we're going to wrap it up because it's time to be done. Parenting is a team effort. So since everybody here in this room is married, You are both working towards the same end goal. It doesn't matter if your parenting styles are different. It doesn't matter if your parenting paradigms are different. You're both going to come from different families, different backgrounds, different ways that it was done, different ways that you view things because of the way that it was done. But together, you have to be on the same page. This means sitting down as a couple and talking through your parenting goals. We'll talk more about parenting goals next week, but being on the same page means if you know what your parenting goals are for each child that's in your household, then when issues come up, you don't have to fumble like, what do we do? Do we, do we discipline right now? Do we give grace? Where are we going with this? You already know, no, we're working on this together. We're moving in this direction with this child. That means we're going to handle this this way. Now, are you going to have differences in the minutiae? Probably. But if you have an end goal, the minutiae will be less important. That will be able to be figured out in private behind a closed door, not in an argument in front of your children. So that all your children see is we are on the same page. That is always what your children need to see. Mom and dad are a united front. So any questions before we end? I felt like I wanted to ask it at the beginning, but it's not too late, right? It's never I, I, too late. I think, I, I know that Luke and I, I feel like we've done this back and forth, and I feel like we gain ground, mm-hmm. and then, oh God, I love it, and then we gain ground, then we go back a little bit, and I just, I personally, as I'm just listening, going, okay, Lord, I know that it's not too late, and yeah. I know, you know, it's all not. of this is so, so good. 
Yeah. Be encouraged, Kat, because, and we do have this conversation with lots of parents about how you, know, you can take a 14-year-old who hasn't been introduced to any of any these of principles. This. Yeah. But if they're in a godly home yeah. where the mom and dad can sit down with that 14-year-old and say, hey, look, we've recently got some tools that we yeah. didn't have before and we realize we've messed up in some areas and and we want to we want to fix it we need your help to work with these things together yeah. and it's a different type of introduction of the tools but you can still introduce the tools mm-hmm. you can still begin to change yeah the atmosphere the of atmosphere home. of your home yeah that's one of the keys this okay. is a godly home yeah I have a minutia question. Yeah, You referred to you don't want your kids to see uh, you on different fronts or conflicted with one another while you're trying to parent. Yes. Um, One thing Kat and I have had come up where we've had an argument and one of our kids has been like, Mom, Dad, are you guys arguing? Mm -hmm. And we've been like... You would know that if we were arguing, Reef, because we'd be praying more. Uh, <laughs> you say it's Reef who's asking the question. <laughs> it's him that always. That's good. Would you recommend? And it, it, this isn't in particular to uh, parenting stuff. Well, would you recommend always going behind closed doors or allowing disagreements to show up and then show them, hey, look, this is how Mom and I? They need to see yeah. you go through conflict resolution for yeah. sure. I think what what I'm referring to is a decision about your parenting oh, yes. where you have to give yeah, yeah, yeah. them a verdict, so to speak, yes. or an action point. And you're in disagreement. And you're in disagreement about, in disagreement about, about that. Hey, we may not have this right away. We're going to, we're going to talk gonna about talk it, right get now, back to you. And then we're going to get back to you. Exactly. And there's a really great movie from the late eighties, uh, hunt for red October. Anybody oh, seen that? Yeah. We brought this up with Jason and Andy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's exactly that. It's where Sean Connery, who's the commander of the submarine, brings in all of the lieutenants and tells them about something that they're about to do and then dismisses them. And the second in command comes to him and says, I would never question you in front of the men, but what in the crap is that? (laughs) (laughs) Essentially is what he says. And and that happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, and so look, the worst case scenario is you make a mistake and you have to go back and Mm -hmm. humble yourself Mm -hmm. and, repent to your child Mm -hmm. that's better than Mm -hmm. being in disagreement in front of them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and can I say after you shared that with us we got to do that Mm -hmm. and it was so peaceful and it was anyway I just want you to know like praise God praise God Mm. I would encourage you guys talk about this together this week pray into this together this week ask the lord to begin to reveal to you ways that you've parented out of avoidance in the details of your day like ask holy spirit holy spirit will you catch me when i start to parent out of avoidance will you help me to see that i'm doing that and will you show me how i can parent like you in that area where i need to let go and die to myself right that's what parenting is all about dying to ourselves over and over again. And, and you'll begin to see the Lord catching you and, and whispering to you. And there'll be this sense of, I'm moving forward. I'm, I'm gaining traction. This is good. This is healthy. This is right. And you'll see the fruit of it in your home. So yeah, this, this is good stuff, but it does take a lot of chewing on, a lot of asking the Holy Spirit to make it part of the fabric of who you are and who your family is. There's a novelist from the like 50 years ago 
or more who said essentially this, the real miracle is not that adults produce kids, but that kids produce adults. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things that happens in a class like this Mm -hmm. is what what happened to us Mm -hmm. in a class like this is it challenged our paradigms to where I would literally go, that's not right. I just, that's not right. And yet there it was scripturally. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at it going, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and coming together scripturally on mm-hmm. some of these issues and realizing, okay, there are things that I need to let go of mm-hmm. and things that you need to let go of mm-hmm. because this needs to be biblical. Mm-hmm. Um, as we close, just want to say this book, it's on the resource list for the podcast about kids in church. Yeah. Fabulous book. Um, 14 gospel principles. Luke's like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because it's basic principles of family life rather than the minutia of like how to deal with littles. This is not going to be about the, the practical strategies and tools, but this is big picture, big picture stuff. Yeah. The heart of it. And then, um, where's my little, oh, here it is. This was like my lifesaver. This is, this is more for Littles and middles to, well, it's really for all ages. You won't really use it as much in the teen years because a lot of this foundation will have been laid. But this book covers every sin your child could commit and gives you scripture to balance it with, um, to train your child's heart with. So it's going to, like, let's say your child is lying. It'll give you scripture about lying and then the positive of the opposite spirit, coming in the opposite spirit, which is truthfulness. Scripture about truthfulness and how to deal with all that. So it's a phenomenal, phenomenal resource, especially when you've got littles in the home. And we'll we'll talk about other books as we go along. So, yeah. Guys, grab some cookies on the yeah. way out. <laughs>